Hello, hello, everyone. It's Marilyn Aloria, psychic medium teacher and coach. And welcome to Who Can It Be Now, the podcast. I am going to be talking to you today about the symbolic language of your soul and why it is so important to read symbols based on your life experience and to not depend on Google or even books or your Aunt Sally or your friend Frank or whatever. Um, of course, those things are helpful. I don't have anything against them. I think they were great for helping me to start understanding what symbols meant to me, but I'm going to teach you why the symbolic language of your soul is super important. But first, I want to tell you that our new episodes are coming out every Thursday, so please do subscribe so you can make sure that you know when a new episode comes out. Share it with your friends, your uncles, your neighbors, rate it, rate it high, obviously, that's what I want, and just continue to uh, come along on this journey with me. I'm also going to tell you that I'm flying by the seat of my pants today. So I'm supposed to be recording on Mondays, which is today. I record on Mondays so that it can get out to you on Thursday. But I'm a little behind because I'm recording my masterclass, Voice of Your Soul, for Membership for Your Soul program. And I am just behind on a few things. They're exciting things because I'm just getting ready to put more stuff out there in the world. But again, it makes me feel like, oh my goodness, I've got to do the podcast. I want to do the podcast. I'm ready to do it. I actually really, really enjoy telling these stories and um, really having a great time with this podcast. So let's talk about the symbolic language of your soul. And for you soul stars that are listening, those are members in my membership for your soul program, I want you to know that I'm going to be doing a special class in January about numbers, what numbers mean. And we're going to go into numbers. So numbers have a very significant meaning for a lot of people. And I'm going to tell you one of my first stories about the number 354. And I had one of my soul stars, members, uh, members and membership for your soul, ask me about numbers and why I can read them so well. And I reminded her that it's in tarot for your soul. I teach the numbers. I base my numbers based on the tarot deck. Um, but I'm also able to take three digits and tell you exactly what it means. So I'm going to look at the clock right now. It's 241, right? So if I was reading you, so this is going to be a mass reading for everybody who's listening right now. Twos are about partnership. So you're coming to this podcast, listening to me because you're getting into a partnership with your soul. You're really starting to understand yourself. You're starting to express yourself and you're really aligning with your soul and really deciding that this is it. I'm not going to live other people's lives. I'm living my own. The four is about building foundations. Building foundations means your belief systems. What do you believe to be true? And what do you believe not to be true? Belief systems can shift quite a bit, especially when you start aligning with your soul, because all of a sudden you realize like, wait a second, I don't believe that we necessarily go to heaven, or I don't believe in reincarnation, or I do believe in reincarnation. I do believe that we're here to be kind and forgiveness is really important. It's whatever you believe because you're here. And you have to find a belief system that's really good for you and comfortable for you that allows you to live your best life yet. And then the one is about new beginnings. New beginnings, you're starting a new journey, you're, you're entering a new path, you're ready to like live in your light. Two, four, one equals a seven. I, I didn't even know that that, like I, my members know when I do readings, I very rarely look at the clock. And if I do, it's a very significant number. So two, four, one is a seven. And sevens are all about psychic ability. So it's about entering into your psychic ability and opening up your psychic ability and living in a way that is going to let you communicate in a much deeper level. Everybody has psychic ability. Everybody has some ability and they can develop it. And when we're not 
when we're using our psychic senses, I was going to say, we're not using just our uh, five senses, but we're going deeper and using our psychic senses too. We're going to a whole other level of communication with the universe and with our soul and our soul in the universe is becoming co um, partners and they're co-creating this incredible magical life together. So the symbolic language of your soul is something my guides taught me. I was meditating channeling one day and they said, you know, we don't speak in your language. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, we talk to you in vibration. Your words are too diluted. It's the way that you're interpreting our vibration that it makes it important to you. They said, you know, think about it. The word love has a meaning, a different meaning for everyone because everybody has a different experience with love. So if we were to speak to you in the word love, it's too diluted by other people's opinions and experiences of it. But when you, we speak to you in vibration, and you interpret that particular vibration into love, you know what it means to you. It really hits your heart. It really hits your soul. Same word, same thing with like butterflies or spiders or light or lamp or candles. So whenever I play this game um, with my students and I put up a symbol and I'll say, okay, candle, what does it mean to you? And people start writing in what it means to them. It's amazing how everybody has a different definition of the word candle. And that's a like you would think, oh, everybody's going to say light. No, they'll say flickering or or a relationship with God or flow or it's amazing the different um, meanings that you get. So the symbolic language of your soul is based on your life experience and your guides are speaking to you in vibration, in energy, in like our souls are music and light, like we, we the vibration. I, ca I can't describe it. Because I don't know that I could put words to what it feels like for me. I also going to say right away, this is a disclaimer, just because they work with me this way doesn't mean that that is the blanket way they work with everyone. There are many different ways out there. But if this resonates with you, jump on it, grab it, run with it. So they speak to me in vibration and I interpret it into words. And that is how it has meaning for me in my life. And the other thing about the symbolic language of your soul, if they're speaking to me and answering a question and they're giving me the vibration of it, I don't, I don't necessarily say I'm receiving the vibration that I'm sitting there. It's interpreted right away as words, but they know how to speak to me in that vibration. And I know to say, okay, so I need to uh, think about where I'm going to go on Saturday night. And my guides are talking to me and they want me by the water because they feel that I need to put my feet in the salt water because it's going to really replenish my soul right now. And that's what I need. So I'm defining what their vibration is through my own vocabulary, through my words. When they, they told me this years ago and I started listening um, to Abraham Hicks and I never knew her story, Esther Hicks. And I came upon a video and she explained how she works. And she said that Abraham speaks to her in vibration. And she interprets it in her own words. And I was like, thank you, Esther. Ah, oh, I'm not crazy. It's one of those confirmation moments where you're like, this is great. Somebody, somebody like her, who I, like, I, I think she's great. I like Abraham a lot. It's wonderful to have heard that from her. I haven't listened to them in a while, but I do think that they're phenomenal. All right. So the symbolic language of your soul is based on your life experience because Nobody has your, has your parents. Think about it. Even your siblings. You may have all had the same parents. You may have all grown up in the same house, but you were at different ages when different things were going on in the home. 
So you may have had a different experience than say your sister or your brother, because you were maybe five and they were eight. So you had a different experience of it. Nobody's had your boyfriends or girlfriends. Nobody's read the books you've read. Nobody had the teachers you have. You can't find an exact replica out there. Even if you were a twin and you guys went through the same exact thing, you're still going to experience life differently because of how you are, who you are, or how people even react to you and how you react to them. So there's a difference. And the the reason why I realized this, I'm going to tell a very personal story right now. Um, When I was around four years old, my father came into the house drunk and shot a gun at my mother. He held her up against the porch door and shot a gun at her. And I have three older brothers, right? So I have a brother that's three years older than me, five and seven. So it was a very, very big story that maybe I'll go into at another time. And I feel comfortable talking about it now because my father's no longer with us. And when I was talking to one of my brothers about it, he was like, I was like, I'm going to write about this story because I think it's really important of how it shaped our lives. And he said, don't take my place at the dinner table. And what he meant by that was I can't write his experience because his experience was his experience. And a light bulb, and this is before I was talking to my guides, but a light bulb went off my head and I went, you're right. We all experienced that different. I was four and a half. So my brothers were trying to take control. They were running into the other room. I guess more of the story is coming out now. Um, And they were trying to call the police and it was the days of busy signal. So it was a busy signal. So we were running from the kitchen to the other room. My mother was screaming for us to get out of the room because she was so afraid that we were going to get hurt. We couldn't get in touch with the police. And then um, my father finally left and my mother grabbed us and threw us into the bedroom, all of us. And he shot through the wall and missed my brother by an inch, one of my brothers. So we all have different experiences of that. My brother who it missed by an inch. My oldest brother who was closest to my father had the most years with him, was watching his father do this. You know, my other brother who was close in age to me, you know what? I'm not really sure what his experience was. I don't know that we discussed it, but... He wasn't happy about it either. And then it was my experience of just being a little girl and being so young and, you know, seeing that happen to our mother. And then my brother's trying to protect me too. I remember my brother's grabbing me by the hand and pulling me into the room and stuff like that. So that brings me to my first symbol, which is 354. So I grew up on 354. I'm not going to say the whole street address. And that number showed up a lot in my life. And you could imagine there were many traumatic experiences in that household. At 354 for me, whenever I saw that number, it made me freeze. It made me freeze in terror and fear. Like, why am I seeing that number? Oh, that number just feels horrible. That was such a horrible place to grow up. It's a horrible upbringing. I don't like that house. We all kind of feel the same way about it. We all just like, it was just such a difficult upbringing. My mother did an incredible job with us, but it was so, we were poor. It was so hard. And it wasn't until I went to a psychic and I um, I can't remember exactly what was happening, but the number was showing up and there was an opportunity in my life. And I said, 354 is showing up and I don't trust this opportunity. And she said, that's a great number. She said, it equals a 12, which is a three, which is mind, body, and soul, the Trinity. So it's an incredible number for you. And I wouldn't deny it. And I was like, you know what? She was right. And then when I started seeing that number, it started, my experience changed and I recognized it as an opportunity, something to look at because threes are about mind, body, soul and fives about transition. I'm going to go into the whole number, but I started understanding what the number meant to me. 
And I would get a reading in the moment based on my life experience. And also what she did is she gave me my power back. She had me recognize that those stories don't define every moment in my life. I get to graduate from that moment and I get to live a life fully without that trauma, without that experience. So 354 has become a powerful number for me because it shows me, she also said to me, look at what you came through and look at what you became in your life. Look at the success you've had. This shows you that you're resilient. This shows you that you're strong. This shows you that you're gifted. That's a rewrite of that number. That's a rewrite of the life experience. But if I'm talking to you right now, does 354 have the same significance to you as it does to me? No. And if I went to Google right now and I looked up all those different numbers, I'm sure there would be some significance and some interesting information, but it's not going to have the impact that my guides wanted to have for me if I'm not basing it on my own life experience. My guides will show me that number. They show me another number all the time, 818. It's got a huge significance for me. It's my father's birthday. Besides what the 818 means. So now I know how to read all my numbers. I understand my numbers. So 818 to someone else is not going to have the same significance as it is to ha- that it has to me. And I've been teaching this material long enough to know that my students will go and they will Google something and then they'll come into Membership for Your Soul's Facebook community and they'll be like, I saw this and it really doesn't resonate with me. And, but they were able to pick out the pieces that were really important based on their life experience. They're able to know we have a symbols class in Membership for Your Soul that teaches them how to break down symbols based on their life experience. So they're able to Google it, look it up in a, a book, and then say, you know what? This does make sense. This doesn't make sense. I'm going to take this little piece here and now I'm going to elaborate on it because numbers can give you an entire reading. You could just find out so much that you need to know in the moment from those numbers, which is why I have to teach a class on it in January inside my program, I've decided. Um, So know what your numbers mean to you. Mine are based on the tarot. So all the tarots, most of it is based on the tarot and also uh, information I picked in other places. So like a six in a tarot um, can mean an end of a cycle. It's not a big end of a cycle because three sixes and nines are ends of cycles, but it's a mid end of a cycle. And six also means family and friends to me. So it's a, it's a great thing, but you want to be able to know when they show up in threes, what the numbers mean. And you want to know how to add them up and how to separate them so they can really give you information. I'll tell you when you see a number like 333 or 111, it's very significant. It's extremely important to pay attention to that number. It's like when you do a three-card reading in tarot and you get three major arcana cards, that's an important reading to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to that reading. So it's the same thing when you see three numbers in a row. All right. So I want to continue on telling you a little bit more about myself because as I move into this podcast and I share more and I share more teaching moments through my stories, I want you to have a little bit of a background about me. So that's why I shared the story of um, the shooting when I was four and a half years old. So the next story is about lightning crashes. I studied dream work for a very, very long time in my uh, mid to late 20s. And it was really important to me to learn how to interpret my dreams because they were plaguing me. I was having a lot of nightmares and 
it was extremely upsetting to me and I didn't understand what they meant. And I knew that they were trying to communicate with me. Your guides will try to communicate with you through your dreams because your brain is shut down. You know, the mind chatter is shut out and it's a time to get stuff through. We already talked in another episode about precognitive dreaming versus psychological dreaming. I touched on that a bit in clairvoyancy. So lightning crashes, I was doing uh, dream work. And when you do dream work, you do a dream assignment and you have, you do a dream and then you interpret the dream with the teacher. And at the very end of the class, um, which may be like four or six weeks of classes of doing dream work, you do a ritual. And this ritual is kick-ass. It will kick you in the ass. It'll knock you around. It'll turn you inside out. It is really um, a really big experience. But when you birth it and you're done with it and you come through it, you have now released a lot and you've healed. So many times throughout the dream work we were doing, we would be doing um, active imaginations. And um, that's when you, you communicate with parts of your dream. And we would be doing things with sound and movement. There was a lot that went into it that I'm not going to go into right now. But there's a song by Live and it's called Lightning Crashes. And it just was around at the same time that I was doing one of these rituals. And it had a huge significance for me. And the dreams were a lot about my religious background. I grew up in a uh, Catholic household. Um, I also went to an extremely, extremely private Catholic school. My mother called when I was born to get me on the list. It was a school with uh, 20 foot stone walls around it. It was two city blocks. It was a huge school, cloister nuns. And I went to school with all the major mafia princesses and I was a cop's daughter. It was a strict school. It was, there'll probably be more that comes out about that. Um, very interesting experience. And I went to this school and um, didn't have the best experience with the nuns. We'll just put it that way. I was a divorce, a parent, a child of a divorced parent, you know, that was back in what, the late 70s and mid to early to late 70s. I was in grammar school. Oops, everybody knows my age now. And, um, they just were not very kind to me, a lot of the nuns, not all of them. And I was really spiritual from the word go. Like I just felt so connected to Jesus, felt so connected to spirituality. And then religion kind of knocked me upside the head. So here's my disclaimer here too, with all of you. I really don't care what people believe in. I'm going to talk about my spirituality, my religious uh, beliefs or my spiritual beliefs, I should say, because they're not necessarily religious at all. And I really don't care what people believe in. It's whatever works for you. Um, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I like the saints. It really worked for me. If that's not your thing, good for you. Know what, what works for you and know what doesn't work for you. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not here to, to preach anything except what works for me because it's what I know to be true for me, for me. So um, I'll give you an example of my mother was thankfully so open-minded so when I first learned around reincar about reincarnation in fourth grade, that's not really what Catholics believe. I went home to my mother and I said, I believe in reincarnation, blah, 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 blah. And today, I don't know what I feel because I don't feel time is linear. Um, and my mother was like, good, good for you. That's great. She never said, no, you can't believe that. It's not allowed. My brother told her that she, that he thought we planet hopped when we left the planet. And she said, good for you. That's great. I love it. So she never put... Um, a lid on what our belief systems were around spirituality. And I'm so grateful to her for that. 
But because of this religious upbringing, especially this Catholic grammar school, which was so difficult for me in so many ways, that I struggled with my relationship with God, my relationship with Jesus. And I had a dream where Jesus was at my dining room table and he put a gun to his head and killed himself. And so that was the dream I was working on in this particular ritual where lightning crashes comes in. And I did an entire ritual that was very religious based for me because I had to release what religion was and how it messed me up and get back into my spirituality because I lost my faith. And after you burn things in the ritual, I danced on things. I danced to the song Lightning Crashes. I just did a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need to know about. I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I don't think I can get arrested for this. So that's why I'll admit it. So I had a, I burned a bunch of stuff in a coffee can and it was prayer cards and I don't even remember what I burned. And I had to get rid of the remains of the ritual. So I was walking, I was in Bay Ridge, which is where I grew up, and I was starting to rain and the song Lightning Crashes was playing on my cassette player and I walked up to the stairs of my grammar school's church and I left the coffee can on the steps and I ran out of there. Now, this is such a, a school where you can't get through the gates. You can't, now they've opened it a little bit, the doors more, but you couldn't go back and visit. You couldn't go to the land. You couldn't go. I think you could go to the churches on Sundays, but they wouldn't marry anyone. Very, very strict. So the fact that I did that and got away with it was pretty incredible. I, so that song has a huge significance for me. So whenever I hear that song, I stop and pay attention because for me, it's a a rebirthing of myself. I walked away from that experience and I actually went to a friend's house and I wasn't drinking at the time. I was really going through this whole transformation that I couldn't even relate to my friends. And I remember sitting there with my friends and I didn't tell them what I did because they wouldn't have got it. They were my friends that I grew up with in Brooklyn. And they were all like partying and I was just sitting there in observation of everything, not not judging them, not thinking they were wrong, just recognizing how different we were. And that moment was such a huge moment for me because it changed who I was. It allowed me to re-embrace my spirituality and what it meant to me and start reconnecting to what God meant to me and Jesus meant to me and the saints meant to me. So if I hear the song Lightning Crashes and you hear the song Lightning Crashes, it's not going to have the same significance. That's why I'm saying the symbolic language of your soul is based on your life experience. So let me tell you another story. Butterflies. Butterflies have a huge significance. How many times do you see butterflies all over the place? And butterflies can mean transmutation through joy. I do like Ted Andrews books, Animal Speak, all those different books. And he'll talk about how it's like getting back into your joy and changing your life and changing who you are through joy. That's a gr- When I read that, it was beautiful. But I have a deeper meaning now for butterflies. So I had this little dog, Emmy. She was a dachshund that I rescued. And she was just a troublemaker from day go, day one. Um, she was this little dachshund that would run around and bark and, and just screech and yelp. And 
she was just became like my love. But the first four months that I had her was extremely difficult. She went into seizures and um, we went away to a cabin. And all of a sudden I heard her squealing and I went out of the bathroom into the bedroom and she was, her head was stuck in a mouse hole because she was such a mouser. And I just started freaking out. And my boyfriend at the time was like, I'll handle it. I'll handle it. And I had to just go into another room because I was like, how are you going to get her out of there? Our head is stuck in the mouse hole. And he's like, I got it. I got it. And then he brings her out and he's like, I got it. I'm like, how did you do it? He's like, I turned her like a light bulb and I got her out. And I was like, all right, I don't care. She's out. She was just such a troublemaker and she liked to bite people. She was just constantly biting people except me. She became my soul dog. She became my little soulmate. She got me through 9-11. She got me through the breakup with that boyfriend. She got me through my move to LA. She was my little partner in crime, man. We went everywhere together. She would sit in a little bag and or she would walk. She didn't like to walk sometimes, so I'd carry her down the block and then I'd have her walk back. And it wasn't because she didn't mind. She didn't like walking. She was fine physically and everything. She just knew how to work me. So I was at the beach one day with a friend's, a couple of friends, and my friend's dog started barking and Emmy ran up to this man and bit him. And she was a little dachshund, so it was a little bite on the foot. So he came back and he's like, I want your information. And I could tell intuitively that this was going to be trouble. Now, hey, my dog bit someone, so it's my responsibility to take care of it. I am, it's my, my problem. I agree with that. But I just knew that there was something here that wasn't right. So I gave him my number and I gave him my voicemail number and I went home. And I, at first I walked a labyrinth. My friends knew how upset I was and we walked a labyrinth and then I went home and I went to sleep and I was just petrified that they were going to take my dog away. She was my life. She was my heart. She was my family. I was so lost in LA in those first years that I was there and you know, just coming off a 9-11 and a breakup. And it was just so difficult. And I, I, I knew there was a message on the voicemail, but I didn't want to check it. I was too afraid. And I was like, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I didn't want to call my family. I was like, what do I do? If they take her away from me, I'll die. And I just, this is before I was in touch with my guides. And I just got this nudge, just go for a walk, go for a walk. So I went for a walk. And I walked around the block and there on a, a ledge was a butterfly and it was just sitting there. And I looked at it and I got closer and I started, I put out my finger and it didn't move and I started to pet it. And then I took my hand away and it started to fly around me. And I started bobbing and weaving with this butterfly, dancing with it. And here I was having this magical, beautiful moment with this butterfly dancing with it. And then it landed on the ledge again and I pet it and I started petting it. And then I took my finger away and it started flying around me again. And I danced with it some more. And I realized in that moment that everything was going to be okay. That it was just going to be okay. So I went home and I checked my voicemail. And there was a message from the guy. So I knew enough to get an attorney involved because there was something that I felt was, I was not going to be able to handle well enough. And I wanted to be able to, you know, definitely pay the bills and 
take care of it. But I just knew that I was too emotionally involved. And I got an attorney and the attorney got in touch with the person and the person sent the bills and uh, we wrote a check and paid everything. And um, the and then the guy called the attorney again. And he said, I have another bill. It's for blah, blah, blah amount. And the attorney said, fine, just send it to us. We'll pay it. He never sent it, the guy. And I knew in that moment that my intuition was right. That he, that, because it's such a troubling moment, right? You want to do the right thing. You want to take, my dog bit someone. That's not right. And you want to do the right thing. But there was something in there that I knew that this person was going to really, really try to take really bad advantage of me. And I was so emotional that I would have not been able to handle it. And in that moment, when the attorney called me and said, you know, I called, I think like a week or two later, I was like, did you ever get a bill? No, I never got a bill. I knew I was right. That butterfly has a huge significance for me. So when I see butterflies, it's not just, wow, that's a beautiful butterfly and it means transmutation to joy. No, that butterfly means you're going to be okay. Everything is great. Dance a little, find the joy. You're going to be okay. All right. So I have more stories. I have the beetles. Beetles like ladybugs. So when I was living in the apartment that I told you about that um, with all the eggs, where I was throwing out the eggs. And if you haven't listened to it, I think it's episode three, but go back and listen to it because it's a fun story about the eggs. This is when all my psychic ability was opening up. All my mediumship was opening up. I was studying and I was living in this apartment that uh, people were moving in and they were friggin' nasty, 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 nasty. I had a balcony. I slept, you know, my, my bedroom was in the middle where there was a courtyard and this woman would just let her dogs go out on the balcony at two o'clock in the morning and bark, 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 bark. And it was like they were in my bedroom. And I would ask her, please close the door. Do not let your dogs out. And she would never listen. And they would come out. And one night I was so pissed off because she scared me a little bit. I got to tell you, she was really tough and I'm tough. And I went and pounded on her door at 2 a.m. And I was like, get your friggin' dogs in the house. She never did it again. She was like, I can't believe you woke me up like this. I was like, I don't care. I'm done. So I don't think she did it again after that, but we never spoke. Then there was this other guy who moved in who would sit out on the balcony at three o'clock in the morning and have like parties. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I went downstairs one day and I was like, could you just take it inside the apartment? And he called me the C word and everything else. So I was feeling really trapped in this apartment. I didn't have money to move. I didn't want to just move. I wanted to move into a house. I was like, what am I going to do? I was like, I want a house. I can't afford a house. I was in debt. It was just such a difficult time. And I would not know what to do. I just felt trapped. I never forget. I called the building manager. I was like, he just called me the C word. And I went to the beach. I was crying. And then I heard him come home that night and I was sleeping and he was like, yeah, she was crying. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this place is not safe. During this time, I started seeing tons of beetles. They would just, they weren't ladybugs, they were beetles. They would just appear on my doorstep. And I knew something was happening. And I would go to all the other doorsteps and I'd be like, there were no other, they were not on any other doorstep. They were only on mine. So I looked at beetles and beetles mean good luck. Things are changing. So I was like, oh my goodness, the beetles, the beetles, they're telling me something. They're telling me something. But still, I couldn't move. 
Now, I think it was like six months later. I don't know. You lose track of time when you start doing this work in this world. I was really desperate to get out of there. And somebody suggested to me, because my credit was so good that I buy a house. And I'm like, there's no way I could buy a house. I can't buy a house. I don't have the money. And, but I opened up the door to it. I opened up the idea. I didn't say no. And I did this thing called a vision book, which I teach in Abundant Living with Your Guides. And I started putting pictures in there of a house and I started writing out what, writing out what I wanted. And I, I started looking at houses with uh, my friend at the time who was a realtor to rent. And she was the one who was saying, I'm telling you, you can buy a house. I'm like, I don't have the money to buy a house. I can't, I don't have the down payment. And I was living in LA, super expensive, but I kept doing my vision book. I kept looking at rentals. I kept going down the streets and dreaming about buying houses and just looking at them. And then the Beatles appeared. And I was like, the Beatles are here. The Beatles are here. This is exciting. And then my father sold our house, 354. And he told me how he was going to give money to one of his ex-girlfriends so she could buy a house. And I said, you're going to give money to so-and-so to buy a house? What about me? And he said, well, she's like a daughter to me. And I said, but I am your daughter. I'm single and I am your daughter. So he gave me the money for a down payment to my house. And I'll go into that story another time because that's a big guide story. But I bought a house and I got out of that apartment. So I was living in my house in Sherman Oaks and it was a beautiful house. It's such a long story that I'm not going to go into that you will enjoy one day. And I was going through a difficult time where I wanted to get out of readings. It was exhausting me and I really just wanted to focus on teaching people how to read for themselves. I knew what it did for me, that I was able to read for myself, that I was understanding the symbolic language of my guides, that I understood what all the symbols meant, that I was channeling. And I was like, this is just changing my life. I have this beautiful house. I have this career, but I have to get out of readings. I'm not liking them anymore. And I had the membership program, Membership for Your Soul, but it was very, very small. And I wasn't putting my energy into it. And I didn't know how to really develop it. And I was at my wit's end and it was around Christmas time. And I was depressed. I was sad. I was, I didn't know what to do. And a friend of mine said, let's go see this woman, Leslie. She's the color lady, Leslie Sloan. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go see her. And I went to see Leslie with my friend, Jessica. And she has all these beautiful colors that she makes into their uh, water. They were um, spray bottles. She also has color cards. Look her up, Leslie Sloan, S-L-O-A-N-E, Leslie Sloan. And so we're friends too. And so I went to her house and uh, she was like, pick a color because the colors speak to you. And I picked a color and she sprayed me and I just burst into tears. And she was so like nurturing at that moment and everything shifted for me in that moment. And I knew that no matter what, I was going to change my business. I didn't know how, but I knew I was going to. And I went home that night feeling like a weight lifted off of me. And I went to open up my curtain and there was a ladybug on my curtain. Now here it is like two days before Christmas, winter, cold, and there's a beetle, a ladybug. And I knew at that moment, everything was going to change. So these symbols give you confidence. 
their confirmation to continue to go on. So I changed everything. I decided that's it. I'm going to grow membership. I'm going to really start working on it. And so I started working on membership for your soul and I started growing it into the program it is today and inviting teachers to come on and teach all these incredible classes. And we do Q and A's and growing the community. And I was like, all right, I, I really want to grow this program. And I stopped doing readings because I, I wasn't doing as many. And so my income was drying up in readings and my income yet wasn't there in membership for your soul. But I had to trust my guides. They were telling me, do it, do it, do it. But I'd be waking up in the middle of the night going, oh my goodness, like, how am I going to pay my bills? This is insane. What, you're telling me not to do readings. I can't, and I would not do readings with my energy being so low. So I could only do a certain amount because I was very, very conscious of my energy being vibrant and high. I wasn't going to do that to a client, but yet membership wasn't built yet fully. How am I going to do this? And I'd wake up in the middle of the night and, and, um, just like, be freaking out. And I'd just be hearing my guides. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I even did some Abraham Hicks at that time. A friend of mine was like, listen to that. And that helped. And I started working on a launch to launch membership. And it's a big deal to launch a program, especially a big launch where you do a video series and you do a webinar and you do a challenge and I'm throwing money into this. And I'm, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I hope this works. I hope it works. And we're in the launch and I'm like, you know, you're, you're, you're really chewing nails at that point because you're throwing everything into it, all your energy, all your finances. And I would just, I wouldn't talk to anybody, only my team. And I started hiking every day because I was, it was the only exercise I had energy for because you're literally working constantly. And I just kept seeing all these caterpillars and I would like, walk on this hike and there were all these black caterpillars on a bush and I, I would count them. There was like 35 of them. And I was like, it's going to be okay. Chris, caterpillars, what are they? They're butterflies. And caterpillars means change is happening. Transformation, transformation is happening. So I just kept doing that. I kept seeing them and I kept trusting. And that launch, we got 250 new members. And it was a successful launch and I gave up readings for good. And at that point, I think I was only doing it for recurring clients, but I, for the most part, was not doing readings anymore. And Membership for Your Soul has just grown into this incredible program. And now I have teachers from all over the world coming in to teach the material. Every month we do new material and then we have um, material in there. Like as soon as you join, you can just start with a bunch of material and we tell you what classes to take, live your best life yet, everyday guided livings. There's just these incredible classes in there that I taught and we break them down into bite-sized pieces so people aren't overwhelmed by the classes. And now it's so funny because I was just talking to one of my students, the student who started this whole conversation that I'm having with you today, asking me to teach a class about numbers or teach her about numbers. She was a student that said to me, you know, when I first joined membership, I felt like if I wasn't sitting down and, and, or if I missed five minutes of the class, I was missing it. She goes, now I know that I could just listen to five minutes when I'm walking the dog and it's getting in. And she goes, now I can go. She's in Soul Finder Academy too. She's like, now I'm just going to go back to those classes too, because I know there's more information. There's other layers and that you don't have to sit because it's that easy to get the information in. So nobody could understand what butterflies mean to me, the song lightning crashes, 354, 
beetles, ladybugs, caterpillars. There's another one that I'll give you, water. When you dream about ice in your dreams, that means you're dreaming your frozen destiny. You're not trusting the dreams in your heart. You're not feeling like you're going to have a destiny. When water's flowing in your dreams, you're believing in your dreams. You're believing in your destiny. Now, what about a tsunami? Because when that tsunami happened, man, that's when things were really opening up for me. Things were freaking me out. And I kept having tsunami dreams. I was petrified. So many people, when you open up to your spiritual gifts, it's exciting, but it can be so scary at the same time. I hear this from my students all the time. And I'm like, this is normal. And I would have those tsunami dreams. So big changes were happening. I didn't know it. I was still doing bookkeeping at that point, trying to be an actress. You know, I was miserable being a bookkeeper and I would have these tsunami dreams and they would freak me out. But really what spirit was saying to me is like, we have a bigger destiny for you than you can even imagine. The waves are even bigger. So know what your symbols mean to you. Because when your guide gives you a repetitive symbol, you want to know what it means based on your life experience. Then you're going to get a reading that is so perfect for you and perfect for your soul and aligns you with your soul. And the the thing that it does is it gives you information about what steps to take, what choices to make, where to go, who to talk to, what to say, what to do. And it also gives you confidence. Because you know what it's like when you're stepping out and you're taking a risk in something and you're like having that moment of, what? I don't know if I can do this. But then you remember that ladybug that appeared on your curtain and you're like, yeah, I can do this. There's something bigger than me out there that's telling me I can do this. I know I can do this. And then you do it. And then you take another step. And then another symbol appears. And then you hear your guides urging you, go go. And you go. And that's when magic happens. And that's when your life changes. And that's when you're living a life aligned with your soul, which is so much more than worrying about what your purpose is, because your purpose shifts and changes. Think about it. The more you evolve, the more you grow, your purpose shifts and changes. My purpose, what I thought was helping people behind the scenes in television. And then it was acting. And then it was doing readings and teaching. And now it's teaching people how to do what I do and storytell and motivate them and and help them to believe in themselves. That's alignment. My alignment is helping people to believe in their dreams, that the dreams in their heart are meant to be lived. And then giving them the tools, the techniques the GPS system to their soul, the navigational thing to their soul. One of my students in Soulfinder Academy said to me, this is the map to your soul. This is the treasure map to your soul. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Because when you hear it in their words, because I don't know, I, that was a channeled class completely. And when you hear it in their words, you're like, whoa, yeah, you're in the driver's seat. Here's the map to your soul. Now put the car in drive and go. All right. Let me know. Leave comments. Let me know what you think, what you've learned, what symbols mean to you. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at who can it be now podcast.com info at who can it be now podcast.com. Or you could hit me up on Facebook messenger through my business page, Marilyn Aloria one, 
and we will answer your questions. If there's a symbol story you want to share with me, please do. And remember to trust the symbolic language of your soul. All right, I'm still finding my tagline. I can't find it yet. All I could think of is, who can it be now? I don't know. Let's open the door and see. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.